Hi everyone. So this was actually a Q&A that Lexi Gross and I did um, virtually and we are definitely going to do more because it's fun to kind of interact with you all in, per not in person, it's virtual, but kind of live. Um, so you get to ask questions while we're talking and it basically is like a podcast episode, but you get to ask questions during it, which is really fun. So um, originally I was going to send this out um, the video and the audio out to everybody who had signed up for this particular Q&A, but I lost the video portion of it. it. Something went wrong with the video during it, so I only have the audio piece, um, but that's okay because I get to turn it into a podcast episode and make it available to everyone, so that's what I'm doing now. And before we get started, I just want to tell you about an upcoming training um, that's coming up for therapists. If you're a therapist, then this one is for you, whether you're an associate therapist working towards licensure or a fully licensed therapist as well. On episode 22, we talked to Jennifer Hama. She is a therapist here in Atlanta as well, and she has some really cool stuff for you all. So um, the first thing is her new clinician expo, and it's a really cool live virtual event designed for clinicians who've left grad school within the last year or so. It's an opportunity to connect with other new clinicians and build a support network. And you'll also get six core CEs approved through LPC AGA. There will be six speakers on this day, Friday, July 14th. It's from 9.30 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And the topics will include setting boundaries as a new therapist, navigating imposter syndrome, specifically for clinicians seeking licensure, how to network as a new therapist, escaping burnout and hustle culture for the 21st century therapist, when are you going to move on, how to help your client get past the five stages of grief, and the last topic is untapped populations counseling men in relationships. You'll also get some bonus content, five steps for a smooth road to licensure, practice management, building and networking relationships early on, how to detect and manage burnout and compassion fatigue, and you'll earn an additional 5% discount by joining the free membership in Therapist to Therapist. And secondly, Jennifer has a really great CE for any therapist called Ethics and Competencies for Counseling People with Chronic Illness and Pain. This is approved by the LPCA GA for six ethics hours. I'll put the link to sign up for either of these in the show notes. And now here is the audio version of the webinar that we put on for how to respond to your partner, your chronically ill partner, when they cancel again. Some of the things that people tend to hear a lot when they cancel plans, either they hear nothing and there's kind of just like a unspoken level of disappointment and, um, you know, just you can tell that the person who is you're, you're canceling on is disappointed in you. And that never feels good. Um, and it doesn't feel good on, on either side, but the goal of today's workshop is to kind of one, try to understand why somebody would cancel last minute in the first place, why they might do it over and over again. Um, and then if we were gearing this workshop towards people with the chronic illness or people who cancel a lot, then we would be talking to them about ways to, you know, be honest with themselves up front, you know, weeks before the event or days before the event and trying to be honest with the people around them and talk about what their needs are and things like that. But since this is geared towards people who are on the receiving end of um, plans being canceled, 
we're going to kind of, we're going to talk in, in that regard. So just keep in mind, it's, it's a holistic problem. Like we want to look at the whole picture, but in, you know, in these kind of workshops where, or in therapy or wherever, wherever you're kind of, whenever you're the receiving end of the conversation, we're going to talk about what is possible for you to do, what you can change or accept or work through. Lexi, do you have any thoughts about that? I think that, I think part of where we decided to have this focus towards partners or family members of folks with chronic illness is that, um, I know I've gotten a lot of requests or seen that. I know that you have as well, Destiny, of um, like how like support and some answers or just a place to ask questions around it, um, where it's like a safe place not to know, whereas maybe your partner or family member who has a chronic illness, like there's already a charged piece in that relationship dynamic that sometimes having that curiosity. Um, can like lead to like more challenge. Um, and so being able to have a kind of safe place not to know um, and get some skills um, can be supportive and recognizing that on both sides of the relationship, it's really tough. It's like really tough yeah. to be in a relationship with someone with a chronic illness. It's also really tough <laughs> to like maintain a relationship when you have a chronic illness. Well, what would you say are some of the things people are scared to ask if they're the on the receiving end of being having plans canceled a lot? Um, I think where I've noticed is I, cause I've worked with some folks who are on the receiving end and it's this place of feeling like they need to swallow their emotions about it or their frustration or disappointment, um, and feeling kind of stuck with this place of like, I want to support my partner, obviously, and also how do I not, um, abandon myself in that too? And like what's going on. And so often I find a lot of folks kind of just suppressing or ignoring their own response to it, which is very appropriate and leading to, I think just like frustration and sadness and feeling disconnected or missing points of connection because of that. Yeah. 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 That I like the way you put that, the missed points of connection. Um, because it then ends up looking like a lot of silence, right? The person on the chronically ill side and who canceled the plans, they're already feeling a lot of shame. They're feeling like mm -hmm. I let this person down and, and you on the receiving end might feel like you've been let down. Um, so yeah, how do we deal with that? And how do we accept and acknowledge those emotions? And again, like allow them to be there without them then those emotions leading to ruining something in your relationship, you know, causing more anger, um, having a lot of, uh, conflict around it, um, and kind of leading to just more like guilt and shame and kind of this vicious cycle that then keeps that kind of, um, the silence going. Yeah. So I guess another few things that we hear a lot, um, maybe, maybe we can talk a little bit, uh, Lexi about like unhelpful things that people might say, um, that you might say if you're on the receiving end of plans being canceled, even when you're trying to be empathetic, there's a few things that are just really unhelpful, um, and not unhelpful because they might hurt the person's feelings. This isn't about walking on eggshells. It's more about how do we be effective and work together as a team collaboratively so that we can figure out how to make plans in the future that either like 
we can make sure that everyone will be able to show up, not out of pure willpower, but out of logistical planning and things like that. Um, yeah, so I already lost my question. I feel like I asked you a question at the start of that and then I lost it. It was like some unhelpful things that, yeah. Um, yeah. great. So um, yeah, it's not uncommon of like on the receiving end of like, hey, I can't make it again. Or like, I'm not gonna be able to go today or like it's, not in the cards, like, I'm really sorry, X, Y, Z, and response sometimes can be like, well, if you know, if you just, like, ignore it, or if you think positively, like, experiencing the, if you just have a positive mindset about it, um, or can you just, like, push through, um, that those feel pretty unhelpful, um, more in the way of, from the side of like uh, the person with chronic illness, uh, it, it feels like it was already really hard to go back and having to cancel. Um, and then having to go against this boundary that they set already feels like really challenging. Um, and also <laughs> if they could just think positively and it would be better, they probably would have already and it, things would have been better. Um, so it can kind of create this more disconnect um, and more in this like communicating at different levels um, that can lead to some more uh, frustration on both sides. Yeah, yeah, because um, you're pulling, if you're asking them to think positively when they're at a negative space, that think you can think about it, like how far away are they from what you're asking them to do? And if they're down here and you're asking them to be up here, think about like uh, something just being pulled and stretched beyond its limits. So you're trying to pull it way out here. And so it feels like a really helpful thing. Like, let me help you think positively. I even, I'll support you in it. You know, sometimes that conversation even looks really, really healthy and that it's like, I can help you. Like, I'll do this so that you can feel this way. And, you know, we can make this work. And like, it really is coming from a good place. But again, it's, it's stretching, it's stretching. And none of us really like to be stretched thin. So just kind of think about that imagery as you, when you start to feel that I need to feel positive and I need them to feel positive and I need them to just feel better and I need everything to just be less filled with less tension. When you start to kind of feel that it, you're probably also feeling really stretched, right? Because if they're, if they're down here and you want to be up here and you are up here, then they're also kind of stretching you down. So we want to just be really aware of that, notice where we're at, where they're at, and we want to try to find ways to kind of come closer together so that both of us are not so stretched thin. So, so before I, I, I can give some examples around that, but do you have any extra thoughts around that, Lexi? No, it, I think that that's a really nice visual way to put in, and I think it kind of lends nicely into coming back into... So then what can someone do in those moments? Like what are some of those points of like how to navigate this tricky situation? Maybe that's where you were heading. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. So, um, you know, it's not just about like this, okay, what is like a middle ground compromise? Because, you know, if the person is too exhausted, too much pain, they have a migraine and they just don't feel well, they're really nauseous. Like, physically unwell or mentally unwell, like emotionally not feeling well, 
to try to get them to compromise and maybe only come out for an hour or maybe, you know, that still might be too much. So that compromise might not work. It might, depending on the situation. So you're, you're welcome to like try that route, but what's going to be more helpful is starting the conversation off with like, what do you need? Like, how can, and, and then also being able to express your needs too. Both of those things have to happen in the conversation for you to both feel like you're now here, even if the outcome isn't what either of you really wanted. So, or what one of you really wanted. So yeah, really being open to hearing what your partner's experience is, is going to be a big part of this. You know, they might be feeling really unwell and it, and it might be really hard for you to understand too. If you don't have that experience with illness, fatigue, pain, and you just don't quite get it, especially when, you know, they, they look fine. They look like nothing's wrong with them. That's a really hard one. Cause it's, it really, it's dissonant for your brain. It doesn't make sense in your brain. I'm looking at you. You look able, you are sitting up, you're walking. Like, why can't you then go to this thing that you said you were going to go to? It just looks, it's a very hard thing for someone to understand when you don't have that experience yourself. So again, some of the things are like asking your partner, like, what, what do you need right now? What are you, um, and they might not always know. So this is where, you know, this is a lengthy process. This is just a small workshop with like some tips and tricks, but just know like all of this can be a little bit more complex. Um, yeah. What other, um, kind of conversational stuff, Lexi, uh, tips do you have? Yeah. Um, so I, I, let me rewind my thoughts here because I have a, a number. <laughs> um, in terms of needs, it also may be helpful for the person uh, without the chronic illness when responding to also have an idea of what they need to. Um, and, and that sometimes takes some skill and time of being able to check in and, and we can talk about ways to navigate that and how to, how to figure that out in a little bit. Um, but being able to come up and even say, it's like, okay, if this is out of the picture today and I really want to spend time with you, or I was hoping for us to have quality time or to do this, what might you be able to do? What, what might be in the realm of possibility today? Um, and that for some people might be an overwhelming question. And, and in that case, that's okay. And be like, can you, can we take, can you take like, some time to think about it and come back to me. Um, or that opens up the conversation of like, okay, this is what I'm able to do. Like we can sit and watch this show together. Um, I, I will sit in the same room while you do this activity and we're kind of doing like parallel play in some way and that is available. Um, but it, it can be a piece of just asking you like, yeah, what is available? Cause usually beneath that there is a level of wanting to connect. Um, and now that that plan is there, sometimes our brain goes into like, oh shit, I can't, like this isn't available anymore. Um, and it can get really frustrated and like kind of like shut down and rigid. But if we're able to slow that down and check in is like, actually we can be flexible <laughs> once we feel our feelings about it. And like what might be a different way that we can connect or spend time together um, with where we're at. Um, so a lot of it is, um, yeah, asking what is available. How can we be together yeah. Yeah. And that learning to be flexible piece, um, you know, again, it's not about just like abandoning yourself in the process, but it is about maybe taking, like Lexi said, like maybe taking 
some time away before we come back to this conversation. Maybe the partner can't fully tell you what they need. Maybe you don't fully know what you need other than, well, I just need you to not cancel plans. Right. And so that might come up for you. And we haven't, I have an acronym that I, I will share with you guys. Um, and it's, uh, I'll write it in the chat. It's ACE, like an ACE bandage. So when you get like a minor scrape or wound, you put on an ACE bandage to like physically help you heal. And this is an acronym for kind of emotional healing and that minor stuff. So A is for acknowledging or allowing certain feelings to be there. So for you as the person who has been canceled on, you're going to allow whatever feeling that is, anger, frustration, um, disappointment, you know, it's allowed to be there. But again, what do you now need during that time of disappointment? Do you need to take a, a moment away from the conversation? Do you need to go for a walk? Like, do you need to it might feel like you want to react at your partner, but that isn't going to be what's most helpful. So this ACE acronym is helping you pause and figure out what you need other than just like, let me, let me be mad at you or let me yell at you or let me make you feel bad or guilty or whatever the things we all have our own kind of defense mechanisms that show up when we're feeling angry, hurt, let down. And then the letter C in the ACE acronym is come back into your body or connect with yourself. So kind of any kind of grounding skill that you already own, that you already have. Um, for some people, that's just like taking a deep breath and paying attention to that breath. For other people, it's kind of looking around your room and kind of just noticing where you are, reminding your body that you might feel like you're kind of going into fight or flight, but getting kind of really angry. But when we scan our environment and kind of just take a look around where we are slowly, it reminds our nervous system that we're not actually in danger. So we might still be upset, but our body won't be reacting from a place of fight of survival. Right. Yeah, we so we won't sort of like thinking brain in that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really common like miss wording that happens when we start to talk about like paying attention and, changing the way you react and stuff. It's really not about changing the fact that you're angry, you're upset, you're this, you're that. It's just about changing the behavior that tends to happen when you're acting from that survival state. So you're still allowed to be upset, but maybe you decide, but I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to stonewall, which is like ignoring and just passive aggressively, like not talking to the person because you're so angry. Um, asking for a pause from the conversation and stonewalling, stonewalling, like is again, like it's passive aggressive. It's ignoring it's, I'm not going to talk to you. That's, those are two different things. So just kind of keep that in mind. And so once you do that, you kind of acknowledge what's coming up for yourself. Then you come back into your body with a grounding skill and we can go over some more of what those grounding skills can look like. The last part is to engage with the world again, or engage with your values. So values are like, who do I want to be in this world? Despite what's going on around me, I might want to be kind. I might want to be persistent. I might want to be courageous. I might want to be dedicated. These are different examples of values. So once I've accepted and acknowledged that this emotion is coming up and I've connected to my body, I've brought some safety into my body, then I can re-engage with what's important to me, such as if my partner is important to me and it's important to me that we have a loving, honest, open, really like calming Kind of conversation around something that's really difficult. Well, I can do that now because I've taken those moments for myself. So yeah, 
any thoughts about that, Lexi? Yeah, um, I would love, I, I'm happy to go into some strategies around like the A and the C aspect of like the acknowledging and the allowing as well as like how like some skills to help us come back to ourselves. And sometimes that can happen in conjunction. Um, so if that feels all right, yeah. I'm happy to speak to that. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know Destiny and I very uh, well-versed in like emotions and being able to name and label and understand them, especially for ourselves. Um, and some, some people have those skills as well, but sometimes, um, uh, those aren't as well developed of understanding like what is going on. And so it can be hard to acknowledge and allow the emotion or the sensation that's going on if we don't know what it is. Um, and so, some ways that you might know that something is going on, especially in the types of emotions that might be showing up or those like physiological responses that might be coming online when our partner cancels again. Yeah, so we're like disappointed, frustrated, angry, sad, um, that that can bring in more, what I'm gonna call like activation arousal. So like there might be more tightness, there might like be more heat, our heart rate might, increase a little bit, um, might feel like we are like, words are caught in our throat. And these are pretty kind of like in, intense versions of what, what might be going on. And there might be lesser versions of this. Um, there might be a sense of like having a lot of energy and wanting to move or do something with it and not really knowing how. And so um, these are all normal responses to cancellations. Um, and so if you start to notice that that starts those things are happening, whether there's an emotion attached to it or not, that's okay. Um, but being able to be with that energy and allowing it to not feel stuck is usually what's going to help us move through to being able to come back to ourselves as well as engage with our values. And so some strategies to do that is um, usually maintaining some level of movement. Um, because it means that this energy connected to those emotions or that physiological response um, has like some way to go and it can modulate it enough where it doesn't feel like it gets super intense and kind of like shuts down our thinking brain. Um, so some strategies for that is it can be um, fidgeting. I'm a big fidget person, um, whether it's you have toys or animals that have toys or other things or you have fidgets is like having something and just like if you're going to have a conversation about this like having something in your hands and moving it back and forth or squeezing it or engaging it and this allows some of that activation to have a place to go without it taking over the conversation um so this can happen while you're in a conversation or while this is happening, or if you're needing to take space to go through it. So it can be engaging in that way. It can be some pacing. Can I, oh, go yeah, ahead. can I just give a caveat to that? Cause like, so when we are moving that way, it might be helpful for us. And it could also be activating for the other person. If they're kind of calm and still like the person who's canceled, maybe they're like laying in bed, right? If the energy is like such a mismatch, mm -hmm. it, it could feel inherently dangerous to their nervous system. But your job in this role here is to, again, take care of yourself. So if that's what you need to do in order to keep yourself calm, then you can also verbalize that. Like, I'm fidgeting because I'm, I'm angry and I'm just like, I need to move this energy out. Like, if you want me to go, go in the other room and come, like, you know, there are options you can do to kind of to work through that, which again, this is where like 
kind of uh, more individualized help could be really helpful for you because you've got two different nervous systems at play, but these are just options for helping you maintain a sense of stability in really difficult emotions. So I just wanted to add that in there, Lexi. Thank you so much. It's really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause this can be a playing around with once you know the dynamic in the relationship of like, okay, when this happens, like great, I need to go take some space and this is what you do. Or as you're talking, it's like, I, yeah, I, I need to move a little bit while we're having this. Cause I'm trying to process through my response right now. It has nothing to do with like you in this way. It's like me trying to navigate this response. Um, so yeah, the movement or the fidgeting, and those are going to be more like probably more exaggerated versions of this. Some other ways to still engage and maybe it not be as, I don't know, quote unquote, loud in terms of body language. It can just be um, checking in with your feet if you're sitting and standing and, and like scrunching, intensing your feet and opening up your toes. It can be wiggling or noticing your toes in different ways and bringing your attention to your feet. It can also be engaging the muscles in your legs while you're sitting or standing and then relaxing them. And this also engages some of that, um, I'm gonna use the term like mobilized energy, just like energy that wants to organize. And so we're helping give it a place to like organize and like a job to do. And that usually helps things like start to regulate a little bit more. Um, you can also do this with your hands and your arms. So kind of like slowly opening and closing your hands in fists. Um, or touching different parts of your fingers and noticing that these are other ways that yeah tuning into it's like all oh, right I have limbs all of this energy that maybe came up and feels really stuck or like hard or like constricted helps to remind our brain that like we have more space in our body so that the that energy that that kind of quote unquote stuck feeling can start to maybe spread out a little bit to not feel as um, intense right away um, so those are kind of a combination of how to connect to yourself while also allowing the physiological response to happen. Um, and that might be that you need to do this away from your partner. It might be that you do it together. Um, and then going into what Destiny talked about is once we've kind of allowed that response to happen, connecting back to self for the present moment can be almost like coming back into the room. So that might be taking your attention for more internal and more and put it more external and doing more of that orienting and kind of slowly scanning the room and noticing where your eyes land um, or touching into different senses that feel available to notice because sometimes sight is too overwhelming um, that maybe we just like need to go in a different room and just close our eyes and notice different sounds or the silence um, or just notice um, the texture of like our clothing or a different thing and like maybe touches more available and that can help us come back into our bodies but also like into our environment before maybe going into the next process of the E, which is that engage. Yeah. And just to be really clear, like the purpose of, you know, touching your fingers or like looking around the room, again, it's, it's not to shut down your emotions. It's actually so that you can acknowledge them without so much activation in your body. It's quite a different experience to be able to say like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling let down right now without it being tied to the activation of 
when I feel let down, I have to yell, I have to scream, I have to run away, I have to, um, you know, do some of these things that most of us are trying to not do when it comes to our loved ones. So you can be both disappointed and also not behave in that way um, without it also looking like you've just numbed it and you're pretending you don't care because that's really not the goal either because that just always ends up boomeranging back. And then I would just add one other really easy way to add in um, the A, the, the acknowledge what's happening is the feelings wheel. So I'll just share my screen really quickly. Um, lots of us have seen this, lots of us haven't, but this wheel just allows you to say, okay, you're feeling fearful, right? Well, what kind of fearful? Are you feeling scared, anxious, insecure? And then even further, if you're feeling insecure, is that from a place of feeling inadequate or inferior? And sometimes this feels all, this can all feel like they mean exactly the same thing, but the more you practice these words and labeling your experience, you'll start to feel the difference between what inadequacy feels like versus inferiority. And when you do this, this, this tool can be used very kind of cognitively, but somatically this tool is really good in noticing what's happening in your body when you feel these feelings. So you might notice that when you feel helpless, you kind of feel like collapsing into your chair. And this is where you can kind of go into like, I don't care. I don't care about any of this. I don't care about you anymore. I'm tired of this. I can't do this anymore. Whereas if you're feeling maybe worthless because them canceling on you makes you feel like you're not worthy, then worthless, maybe that puts you more into a fight stance. So maybe that's where you want to scream and yell and kind of do some of these, these other things that are more of a, a fighting stance. So we're really just getting in tune with our nervous system, understanding how this emotion feels like this in my body. And I'm allowed to experience that. I'm allowed to feel that. And when I do, when I put a word to it and I acknowledge it and I allow it to be there, notice how you will notice how your nervous system will actually feel relief. Because as soon as your experience is validated, we feel relief in our nervous system. So that's really like, that's the whole goal here is validating yourself and knowing that you're allowed, again, allowed to feel all of these feelings because it is frustrating when plans get canceled. And also, how do you want to show up in your relationship despite that happening? And when you show up calmer, you can have calmer conversations and actually come to understandings with one another rather than it just being like, this is never going to change and I don't know how to handle this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think some of this is trial and error as you get to know yourself. Um, and it, yeah, it's relationship by relationship point that it it's going to be experimental depending on what's going to work out. And if you and your partner have the um, capacity and relationship to acknowledge that of like, we might get it wrong, but like, if we're going to try and do this differently, this is, this might be how it goes. And this is what I'm going to do to try and like figure this out and maybe come communicate better. Um, it, it, and these points can help for feedback in the future of like, when it may be that you figure out that when the person needs to cancel, then great, we have this system that's in place and this is how we respond. And these are the helpful questions for me to ask. And this is how I can go take care of myself that it's like predicted and it, and it's, um, and there's like things that are gonna happen so that on both sides, there's 
person who had to cancel knows that you are going to take care of yourself um, and that it is okay for them to cancel in this relationship, that they can, that, that there's still going to be connection and there's not going to be too much rupture and that you all can handle it. Um, and there's on their end of like, okay, I need to spend time and figure out like, what do I need or how can we still stay in connection? And that's my job in bringing back to this relation or this conversation. And then the other person does their thing to take care of themselves and know like, okay, this is how I need to, how we can work this out and figure it out. And this is what I need to figure out. Um, and that takes time and practice um, and it's different for each relationship dynamic. Um, there was another thought in my brain that, oh, um, it, and another piece is that um, I think I find with, on both sides of clients who have chronic illness and are struggling in relationship with others, as well as those who are in relationship with those with chronic illness is um, the person with a chronic illness is not always the best place to process your emotions about how their illness affects your relationship. Um, th there can be a time and place for that to happen, but not always the best place for it, just depending on where they are at, um, what just happened. But you are kind of like what Destiny says, like you are allowed to be disappointed and frustrated and angry that we canceled again. Um, and if there's a lot of processing that needs to happen around how their chronic illness is continuing to maybe affect your life and your responses, um, that needs to find a different place initially to, to process that before being able to have just a conversation of like, hey, also like I, you know, this affects me too. It's like <laughs> it, that isn't always appropriate. And so sometimes that looks like therapy. Sometimes that looks like other support from other friends, family, um, or support networks for those folks um, before those conversations can happen. And I would just, yeah, I would definitely want to illuminate that point a, a lot because it is so important to have community outside of your partnership for a wide range of issues, including this one. And to just make sure that when you are using that community to vent and express frustration, that you are at least going to people who have a level head around this. You know, I think we all can kind of, we might have friends or family members where we can get into like a vent fest that, you know, the other person is just like, yeah, and how dare they do that? And if that's what you're looking for, then it's likely that, like that hurts your relationship. And so if you're on the way out of your relationship, then maybe that's that's okay. But if you're trying to keep this relationship together and like long-term is what you're looking for, you really want to find people who are, who are going to help you feel like you can handle this, like you can get through this issue. Again, that you're allowed to vent about it, but the receiving, the person who's receiving your venting should then be able to say like, wow, that's incredibly hard. I'm here for you. And like, what do you want to do about it? You know, not just like, yeah, how dare they? They're terrible for you. Like, you know, we want to go to people who we want to learn from, not people who are just going to like validate and exacerbate, exacerbate the anger. Yeah. I'm wondering if, if you have any questions so far. Kind of leave some space for that. 
if anything comes up, you can feel free to chime in or even write it in the chat um, or thoughts are welcome too. Um, so yeah, we've given so far some kind of mind-body connection education as well as um, examples of specific skills that you can use. Um, and all these skills take time to develop. So working with uh, someone who understands them, you know, a therapist or anybody who can, um, who understands that mind-body connection and, and these kind of skills would be good. Um, and then also, so we talked a little bit about kind of specific phrases, um, but even more around that, like to, to decrease defense mechanisms, you know, like we mentioned earlier, like what do you need is a good one, although that can also be a little bit overwhelming if the person doesn't know what they need. Um, some other phrases would be like, look, I'm really frustrated right now, but like, it's fine. We're going to get through this together. Like, we'll talk about it again later tomorrow or you know, after we've taken some space because like, I'm really frustrated and that's allowed. Um, and so just validating statements that validate the both your own emotions and that the other person who has canceled the plans, they have a right to do that, right? Like, you know, we're not bound by, by these, um, we're not bound by plans. Like things happen all the time. And um, the person with the chronic illness can learn how to kind of figure out what situations they do best in and which they don't do well in and therefore maybe say no upfront to things that they already know are going to be really hard for them. Um, but again, that's a skill for them to learn. If you know, though, that your partner doesn't do well in a certain type of environment, you can also give them permission out, maybe not even ask them to like do that thing in the first place. I'm allowed, you know, you, you're allowed to do that. Um, like, hey, I really want to go out with so-and-so Friday night. I know that this scene isn't really yours. Like, is that cool? I, I want to go out with them. Like, you're welcome to come if you want to, but I, I kind of, you know, you don't have to. So giving permission in that way too, because you do know your partner, right? And you probably even know when your partner says yes to something and they, they are going to cancel. <laughs> like you probably already know that if you've been together for a while. So the reason why they're likely still kind of telling you they're going to go knowing that they're not going to later is because they really are fighting with themselves about what they should do versus what they're actually capable of doing or they feel capable of doing. So it's a reciprocal relationship. And if you can give permission up front, then that can be really helpful. Um, so we want assertive, but compassionate kind of communication. Um, and then lastly, we talked a lot about just increasing awareness around your own wants and needs. And the reason it can feel kind of counterintuitive, like if I'm bringing increased awareness to my wants and needs, won't I be more upset if then the other person doesn't give it to me? And it's like, no, because learn, part of what's important about learning what your wants and needs are, are learning how to get those needs met also not from the person in front of you. Sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's your family. You know, we really do require community in order to, to thrive. So figuring out who in your community can give you certain wants and needs that isn't just your partner um, can be really helpful. So the more you understand what your needs are, the better awareness you then also have around who can give can get those needs met but which in that way allows more flexibility that psychological flexibility aspect so that um, when that comes up often we can when, when those 
defense mechanisms come on or like those intense emotions come on of not being able to do the thing. Sometimes our ability to be flexible and to have more perspective goes down, but when we're able to identify like, oh no, I, I, I can get these needs met elsewhere of like, maybe I was wanting that loving, love and belonging and that connection and community piece and thought that I was going to get it with my partner in this way. But now it's like, no, I can maybe still go to this thing for a little bit and then come back or find different ways for that to happen. Or like, I wanted to have fun and I was really looking forward to it, but okay, now I'm just going to need to find a different way to have fun um, and a different way to get that need, need met um, in that way that, yeah, can allow for more of that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. And if your goal was just to have connection with your partner, you know, it was date night or whatever, then like Lexi mentioned earlier, then kind of figuring out, okay, we can't go out tonight, but like, what do we both enjoy at home? And and can we be really intentional about that? You know, not just like another night of TV before bed, but more like maybe we order our favorite food in and do like just you know light a candle and like do something intentional that makes it a little bit different than your average every other night where you guys maybe watch TV before bed kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's all I have on my end. Lexi, do you have any other thoughts or anything that's important to share? Um... I'm just looking through my notes and I think I, I realized that I wrote down kind of big, the two words like slow down. Um, yeah. So I that that's something that we like alluded to in this and it takes time, but being able to work towards slowing down our responses and reactions usually is going to lead to less miscommunication, less projection of feelings onto each other, more ability to, um, yeah, communicate and, and connect. So just another way to look at it is like trying to learn how to slow down our responses. Yeah. Yeah, that's where that pause piece that we talked about earlier can come in. You know, sometimes you do really just have to take a step away. Eventually the goal is like you can learn to slow down your thoughts enough that you can remain in the conversation kind of talk it out, although both parties kind of have to have this ability to kind of slow down and pause. Um, otherwise we can really kind of, we start to jump in and, you know, um, be, going too fast would look like interrupting each other, um, not really hearing what the other person just said. Like they said something and you're like, well, I, this, 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 and this, this, like you can only hear what's in your own head and you haven't really heard them. Um, so that's kind of, that's an example of what it looks like to maybe be going too fast. And that, that gives you um, a, an image of what you can pay. If that's happening, then you know, okay, this just happened. I need to take a step back and slow down and maybe even, you know, walk away for a moment, come back to the conversation, um, things like that. But slowing down is really important. If you learned something new today, consider writing it down in your phone notes or journal and make that new neural pathway light up. Better yet, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram, email me, or leave a voice memo for us to play on the next show. The way you summarize your takeaways can be the perfect little soundbite that someone else might need in order to better absorb the same lesson. Lastly, leaving a review really helps others find this podcast, so please do so if you found this episode helpful.